G'day, welcome along to Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast. I'm James Baldwin and I'm joined in the studio as always by one friend today, as, as like last time around, it's yeah, Thomas J. Camp.com.au, mate, hello to you. How are you, buddy? Mate, I'm well, you're well. Uh, Tommy T, big shout out to you, mate, we're missing you still on your little trip away, but uh, Cam, he's, he's off the grip. We haven't heard a thing from him. Uh, We can only imagine that he has fallen victim to some sort of viral disease in Uganda (laughs) and is currently spreading his DNA across the countryside. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, we miss you. But uh, Campy, we have made it. We, we he made may bring the... some exotic diseases back <laughs> to the country. <laughs> <laughs> We've made it to the end of the season we with have. a podcast. Who we would have, have thought that we started this very early in 2019? And I just wanted to reflect very quickly before we jump into our normal recap that we've actually ended up here. We're averaging a couple of hundred people per podcast episode. And so if you're one of those people and you're listening now, thank you. Thanks. Like really, we're pretty shocked that it's, it's gone this well. <laughs> if we're perfectly honest. <laughs> Zero expectations for yeah, this. It's uh, Campy and I started chatting about formula one last year. We, we just, you know, we would catch up regularly and talk about it on the race and, and sort of see what's going on. We said, you know, why don't we just put a podcast together? Because, of course, we're two... Opinionated white guys. Two opinionated white guys. <laughs> this is a great idea. <laughs> so we did it, of course. Uh, and, mate, it's gone pretty well. It has. I'm pretty stoked with it. I'm stoked with the, the feedback we've got. Thank you for your feedback. If you've, if you've reviewed so- us, if you've said hello in the street or whatever else, it's like, thanks. We really, not that you'd say hello in the street because you'd have no oh. idea who we are, but you know, <laughs> if you've said, hey, I listened to your podcast, actually, it was pretty good and I don't like Formula One. That's the whole point. Yeah. And uh, put it this way, you can listen to my dulcet tones as you go to sleep if you really want to, but there's been some quality banter on our social media and podcasts, which if you want to have a read, just jump on and have a look. We love it. We love That's it, good. mate. I it love it. It is great. Thank uh, you. And, uh, mate, this is this is just the beginning. You know, we're going to go from strength to strength. There's a lot of Formula One podcasts out there, and if you're listening to this one in conjunction with us, thank you. We love to give a slightly different, very Daniel Ricciardo biased opinion on what's going on. And, of course, the Australian opinion is a little bit different different to everyone else. And we can confirm that we're going to be at two Grand Prix next year, possibly three. Do you know what the good news is, listeners, is that uh, Vietnam is a Grand Prix destination next year and it's the third race. The third race. race. So not only do we get Melbourne, which is where we are based out of, which is very convenient for us, they all think it's a good idea to disappear to uh, Bahrain first in before Detroit. going to Vietnam. I feel like logistically it would have been easier to go north and then out to the west, but that's okay. Uh, it's going to be incredible. And uh, as the Vietnamese Grand Prix uh, marketing would suggest, it's going to be Alex Albon's first win. <laughs> You'd hope so. Wouldn't that be great? Well, no one's driven the track before, so it, wouldn't that be – actually, it's going to be a great opportunity to see raw talent get a hold of something that they don't know and do it well. I actually watched uh, a YouTube video of – a video gamer, which I never do, but it was of a mock, a replica of the track for next year, and it looks incredibly good. Yes. Looks like it's going to induce some great racing, some long straights. Yeah, hopefully the cars are pretty even and competitive next year, so we're looking forward to that one. That'll be good. It's not much that's going to change between 20... 19 and 2020 obviously the big push is going to come to 2021 and we've spoken a little bit about the regulation yeah. changes and uh Campy, it's probably a good time to to talk about stuff that's going on in the paddock the only there's only been two teams as you just said before we started recording that have changed their driver lineups this year and we can confirm that williams have decided to employ nicholas latifi which we've predicted for a long time. What we're surprised about, though, is how early they've announced it. Yeah, because I said this literally two weeks ago on our last podcast that I don't think we'll hear anything until January because this has been Williams' operational ideology for a long time. But yep. they've, they've jumped the gun, which is good, which may suggest that their, their development for the car next year is a bit further along down the track than what it has been previously, yep. obviously this year. Um, so good on them. I think it's going to be, look, they're still not going to be up at the front, are they? And nope. uh, hopefully 2021 allows a little bit more even racing, but certainly, you know, they've made real progress this year. It's like McLaren, you know, they went from nothing, 
McLaren have done a hell of a lot better than they have, obviously, but they've gone from not much to write home about to making good progress. We're getting some good laps in. We're getting some good data. It's a shame that Kubica is leaving under, under these conditions, but it was always going to happen. Williams was never going to be the team that he was going to do anything special with, not because of his lack of driving skill or whatever else. It was just the team just didn't have it together. They're getting this slowly campy. Yeah, yeah. That was an experiment that really didn't turn out the way anyone wanted it wanted yep. it to happen, and it was a bit of a shame, but we sort of knew that from about race three and four onwards that it's going to be a long grind for that team this year, and specifically Robert. So, But you were talking a little bit earlier before we jumped in, and maybe it's a good time to bring it up now, about the Williams itself. Brundle was talking about this in terms of the car and and how it performs. And in fact, we'll just jump straight into the race a little bit here and then we'll, we'll come back to it again. But the DRS system wasn't working in the first little while 15 for laps. Abu Dhabi. And what we saw was not a lot of overtaking. The over- overtaking that we did see was raw drafting power between drivers and yep. good placement under braking and like late braking. Now, and we actually saw what a difference the DRS makes. Yeah. Because we had a stage where Hulkenberg was on 19 race laps plus his qualifying old soft tyres, and he was holding up uh, Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, and Albon. and Albon at one stage without DRS. And then as soon as DRS came on, they, it was like, they see flew later. past him. But it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, DRS is great because it engages overtaking, but what it shows is that the Cars are pretty bloody similar. And I was going to bring this up on the last podcast. I think it was FP3. Brundle, at Brazil, sorry. Martin Brundle, he made a comment that sort of stuck out with me that I didn't really have an understanding of. He said these cars are pretty comparable in the way that the aerodynamics work. I mean, there's differences in every car, but the motors, we've heard all year that the motors are pretty comparable in their output. Um, but the chassis themselves are pretty comparable in their in their aerodynamic um, outputs as well. Yeah. But he made the point that Ferrari and Mercedes and Red Bull, they're the teams that spend massive amounts of money, and particularly in Mercedes, is that in hydraulic um, suspension. And he went on – I read an article on F1.com this week about the things that are banned for 2021, and hydraulic suspension is a massive one that essentially what it does, it just it, it permits the aerodynamicist to configure the car to run a narrower range of operating parameters. So there's not a lot of moving parts on the outside of the car under that, right. are, op- yep. like, that are there to change yep. to, to affect performance with this hydraulic suspension. So it's just a bunch of fancy computers that... Mm-hmm that let a certain amount of pressure go when a car hits a bump or how it rides under cornering and certain amount of loads. So it creates a really fast car and that's what makes Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull so much faster than these other teams because they can throw massive amounts Mm. of money at little things like that. I mean, barge boards are also banned for 2021. I think Mercedes was the first team to do that, to raise those front like push rods and pull rods and suspension and actually mount them above the the wheel so that they're in a less compromising aerodynamic position as well. So there's a few things like that which the teams that have the money to spend get the most performance out of, which is going to be equalised for 2021. So it's good to see. It's going to be interesting to see where these back teams end up. I think my gut feeling is teams like McLaren are going to be up at the front of the pack come 2021 because it's not... love to see it. Well, it's not just about the car itself it's about the organization behind the team working together the leadership working together Toto's done a great job with Mercedes that is for sure no one will argue that point but he's going to leave Mercedes pretty soon you know we saw him step out for the Brazilian Grand Prix to not to not take it over and James Allison I think was running the the show then Allison or Bono anyway it doesn't matter but we've got you know Andreas uh Subtle, which is who's running under Zach Brown, the the McLaren team, and you know he is not a show pony. He's not there for the camera. All he's there about is to ensure the team works. Now there was an interview with him yesterday, and he was saying, "Look, we, what I really want to do is ensure that the drivers can be themselves in the team." So he's giving them a great culture, 
He's not putting any pressure on them to be different. And that's why I think you see Lando and Carlos getting along really well because the pressure from the administration and leadership above isn't as stressful as somewhere like Mercedes or Ferrari. disorganized like Ferrari and Williams. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And so I think that's going to make a huge difference when the parameters of change and where you can spend money is going to really be different from now to 2021. It's going to be how the driver performs because that's the biggest variable in the car, right? It's who yeah. sits in the cockpit. And just to say, I don't think Ferrari really care how drivers behave. If you look at AKA Kimi Raikkonen at end of season events, I mean, there, there is pressure on them, but... I think they're still real people and they, they can have a laugh and not take themselves too seriously at times as well. But All right, let's get into let's the get Abu Dhabi. Into it. it was a pretty boring race, Campy, wasn't it? Definitely well, wasn't the, as good as the last time out. Mate, I'll tell you what, that's, uh, that government must be paying a hell of a lot of money to get the final race of the year. Because, geez, it, it's other than 2016 when Rosberg won his championship, I don't think it's induced any good racing. Spectacular no. racing that I can remember anyway. It produced a couple of good crashes with Mark Webber back in the day yep. on Hecky Kovalainen. But Brazil is the spiritual last race of yeah. the year for me and I think it should probably go back to that. Just Look, I think you're right. dozing off towards the end of it. Well, I was. It was two, <laughs> the, the race finished at 2 o'clock in the morning Australia time and, and I definitely was <laughs> – I think I saw – the, the donuts woke me up. <laughs> yeah, I started. I started looking at my phone, and I was, I was halfway through this Led Zeppelin documentary, and I was sort of going back to that, and <laughs> I just lost interest with it by the end of it because there was just nothing happening. And it's, I mean, we are we're committed fans. We we are. I'm not saying we're probably not uber fans. We're we're super fans. We love it. We talk about it. We read you know articles all the time. Look, we've done a podcast about it. This is how much we love it. Yeah. But if we are getting bored with it, if it's not exciting enough to keep us awake at two o'clock in the morning, and it's yeah. the last race of the calendar year, really, is it is it exciting? Look, I I would say that it probably belongs as a track in the first half of the season. As Bahrain shows, it's very similar to Bahrain. There's some off-camp corners there. And look, the track itself is quite good. And I imagine the drivers would enjoy it. You know, it has the design. Like you go from a hairpin into a really long straight. It's got the design for some good, really good racing. It just doesn't ever seem to deliver it. No. When it needs to. No. Uh, not sure how I feel about it going into being a night race as well. But, you know, it is what it is. So anyway, it it's was obviously a, a spectacle as well. It has to be a lot of wealth and that's cool. around the marina. You know, you look at the, um, the Middle the, East and Monaco. The, uh, the, I'm not sure the auction house that auctioned off, you know, Michael Schumacher's two of Michael Schumacher's cars, the Benetton and the, the Ferrari that he drove, I think 2002. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, it was, it was, in, you know, incredible wealth there. Absolutely right. But anyway, Abu Dhabi as a race, let's recap it. Campy, your favourite moment of the race. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember. I asked you this before the podcast. Uh, right. uh, I think Max's pass on Leclerc. Mm. That was Leclerc had nothing to answer. So yeah. it was a good move. Nice and aggressive. I mean, the commentary tried to talk it up in the best way that they can uh, for about three laps leading up to the moment. And they were saying, oh, Leclerc might be nice out of the car, but in the car he's got razor blades out on side and... He put up no fight. Max completely outfoxed him, mm-hmm. but he had the pace in the car as well. So that was that was probably the best move or the best part of the race for me. I think there's kind of shared between two, and it was both in the last two laps, last lap specifically for Carlos Sainz, with Carlos getting up on Danny Rick on the last bit of the complex with 10 corners to go and... <laughs> and then getting his point, which actually pushed him up in the the standings overall. But also Checo. Checo was on fire the last bit of that race. He did a move on to Norris after the um, second back straight. Yep. That he, he came out and said, that was the best move of my career, which then Lando came out and said, I can't believe I let Checo pass to do <laughs> his best move of the career. And I say, like, I hate that. Um, yeah, it just... Yeah, then that was right at the very end. But good for Carlos again. You know, the McLarens didn't get up towards the front as much as they should have done, but there was some really good midfield racing going on, mainly powered by Renault engines. Again, we didn't see it. At one stage, we're watching a procession behind Hulkenberg, and we've got 
we've got Danny Rick, Sines, Norris, the three of them, I think, at that stage. Oh, no, Hulkenberg was holding up the front. Yep. And you could going see on the it. timing sheets behind, it was... They, they kept going green. They kept going green and, and fading in the air, changing stay where they positions. Are and, yeah, because there's all this thing. And we were like, hang on a second, who cares about what we're watching here? It's not exciting, guys. And we never saw any of it. Now, F1, F1 race director... TV director has to get this stuff right. ThomasJCamp.com.au forward slash get a better TV director if you're a Formula One executive listening to this podcast because, of course, you are Ross Braun. No one cares what's happening at the front because we know what's happening. They're trying to pass Hulkenberg without DRS and it's not happening. But yet we stayed on it for six laps and then saw some average replays. Just get it right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There has to be more focus on better battles. I mean, we're pushing this whole AWS Insights thing, but we don't actually get to see the battle live on the screen. Disappointing team. Come on, let's do it. Rage complete. No, it's not. Driver of the race for you, Campy? Uh, Max. Yeah. Not that I think he deserved it. No. Driver of the race. Yeah, it's a tough one. I like Max. I'm not giving it to Lewis. Valtteri did a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, Back of the pack to fourth. And he should, we'll get to it later, he probably should have got third. Yep. Um, <laughs> Hulkenberg was the fans' driver of the race, but that was token because it was the last race and they were being nice. <laughs> it certainly wasn't. Um, he just certainly didn't do anything that deserved it. No, he would have finished, finished, he finished 13th in the end behind Danny Rick. 12th. 12th behind 12th. Danny Rick. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, good. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Look, I'll give it to Valtteri. I'm with you. Look, I think Valtteri did a great job. He split with his wife this week. Really? Hmm. That's so th- why he drove really well most of the week. <laughs> <I think, laughs> I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, I think there's a bit of burning passion in there because he announced that a couple of days ago and uh, he went into topping the, the sheets for uh, for practice and he just was driving on that sort of, you know, I didn't realise that. Angrier style. It wasn't that widely um, not. published. Sorry to hear that. That's that's a real shame when those things break down. Yeah. We're not tabloid media. No, uh, but my, the reason I bring it up is only to say that I think there'll probably be some frustration in the, in the cockpit for him yeah. and some emotion. I don't think another driver on the grid could convert, except for maybe Kimmy, convert that emotion into performance. And I just have to say, Valtteri is a star. Oh, he deserves that seat at F1. He's an incredible driver. And, uh, yeah, we don't like to, to listen to that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's hard. But, Valtteri, you're going to have my driver of the race vote as yeah, well. Big 2020 for you, mate. Oh, it's going to be huge. It's going to be big. Lewis Hamilton in the bin. Valtteri Bottas up front. Here we go. Let's let's crack on. <laughs> let's wait for Melbourne. Let's just do it next week. Let's start. Uh, okay, who is the best team on the day for you, Campy? Jeez. Uh, this is how much of a nothing race it was, yeah. guys. If you're listening, I'm sorry that we can't be so definite in, in our responses I here. can't but really give it to any of the top three teams because no. they were all pretty staggered. I was going to give it to McLaren. It was it was a it was a Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, one, two, three, and four, five, six. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll give it to Williams. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've given them nothing for 21 races. I'll give him something. 2019 Campies. Congratulations, guys. Wooden Spoon uh, Award. You got through the season. They did. And you're still afloat. You're still a functioning race team. You're prepped for next year. So that's a win. I'll give you the uh, team of the day. You're not wrong, actually. It would be very hard, I imagine, to (laughs) convince everyone that it's good to go around this whole merry-go-round for another time. Yeah. Very, very difficult indeed. All right, Campy. Well, let's let's start at the back of the pack as we normally do. Work our way to the front, team by team, as best as we can in order. There was only one DNF, uh, which was Lance Stroll and Racing Point. We'll come to Racing Point in just a moment, though. Let's start with Williams, though. Robert Kubica, in his last timeout, definitely is no surprise to anyone, was last. Was last. Last for last. Uh, Still beat his teammate in the, uh, the championship. And big, big point for Williams because they haven't had a point for many a year. And it means they get some money. Yeah, glad for Robert to, to be able to do that. Look, I think, uh, let me just say this about Williams. The livery has grown on me. 
Oh, rocket. Oh, jeez. Oh, I actually like yeah. the blue and the black and the white. I, every time I see it, I go, actually, it looks like a really nice car. It looks like a shitty version of this guy, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if we go back to where How do you have a shitty version of the sky? Oh, oh Williams, okay. <laughs> Stop it. I don't like it. If we go back to our first ever podcast, not that you want to go and listen to that because it was... I'm removing it from the internet forever. It is terrible. You are. You are um, right. That's why I can't believe we got this far. The one thing I raged on was William's livery. I quite liked it when I first saw it. And Rocket, it's a, it's a telecom provider, isn't it? Yep. The worst branding in the sport, hands down, easy, in my opinion. Better than Rich Energy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't have to say legend anymore because they don't exist. Uh, okay, so Kubica obviously having a bit of a letdown. George Russell finishing in 17th uh, ahead of Pierre Gasly. He has a bright future, George. He's, you know, we've said this a number of times. He's put his head down and he's working really hard in a shitty team. Yep. And I, you have to say yep. that for. You know, there's three rookies this year. There's George. Lando. There's Lando in a McLaren who's up around the sort of, you know, 10 to 5 positions. And you've got Albon who just had this massive promotion into the big team. Now, talk about deep end. It's funny, and I, and I said this to you yesterday. I think you missed it. But there was an interview with uh, Johnny Herbert, interviewed those three boys. Yeah, the rookie um, of the year. Asked, well, they asked them to rate each other, which I thought was really good. And... Lando and Albon both said, you know, George is consistent and quick. Considering what he has, he is both of those things. And his pants, his pants cubits are all year. 100%. You know, that is a slow car. Yeah. For what he's done with it, and I think it's worth saying, the last couple of races he hasn't been in 19th or 18th or 17th or whatever the yeah. second last position is. He's been ahead of some Hasses. He's been ahead of some Toro Rosso's. He's been ahead of some racing points. And whilst that's not points, that's confidence building for the future for him. Yeah. And I think it's really – look, I would suggest that we are going to see him in a Mercedes seat in 2021. Well, we're actually going to see it next year in testing, pre-season testing. It's test one. He gets three days in the car. Three days of the first test, George Russell gets in that works Mercedes. So Incredible. Uh, Look, I've said all year, I don't know anything about him. We know what he could do in junior categories, mm-hmm. but that doesn't always correspond. Doesn't translate. Nico Hockenberg, prime example. Absolutely. So I'm still a bit up in the air, and he's obviously got a good reputation. Kid's got a good head on him. Mm. He doesn't have great banter, which we said last night. He's not... Not like the other two. Not like the other two. Actually, like, no, that's a lie. Because he was. They were talking about um, Carlos and um, <laughs> about Carlos and Lando. The qualification because it was ten ten in terms of race. Oh, yeah, qual- yeah. And he goes, "Oh, well, I'll just help you out. I'll just hold him up, but I can only do it in Q one." <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting there compared oh, to the good. other boys. He's getting there. Uh, but, yeah, he's got a good head on him, and he seems like a super intelligent guy outside of the car as well. So, look, I'm looking forward to seeing him in that works Mercedes. Yeah, I me too. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fares. Not that Mercedes traditionally perform well at pre-season testing. No. Well, Ferrari's um, going to be the best team in 2020 because they're going to perform best at season testing. Oh, jeez, I'm not buying that hype this next year. Not a chance. Yeah, I think we all said that last time around and it's going to happen again. But anyway, so Williams, uh, Nicholas Latifi re- replacing Robert Kubica. Latifi finishing second. Um, it is weird that the winner of that category ended up in Formula E and the person who came second with money is going into Formula 1. Anyway, who would have thought? Oh, there's uh, precedence. Don't there, worry about that. Hello? Is this Lance Stroll again? Another Canadian. So, talking about uh, Canadians, well, actually, no, it's a little bit further up the grid. I'll be a bit oh, nicer hey. to them. Toro Rosso, Pierre Gasly finishing in 18th, but Danny Kvyat finishing in 9th, uh, which was good for him. He had some good moves at the end of that race, um, but I'm going to say this, Cam, don't if if there was a bigger pool of Red Bull talent, Danny Kvyat would not be in the Toro Rosso in twenty twenty. Uh, what are look, your thoughts? Kvyat's race this weekend was good, in the sense that, but this is one of those tracks for the midfield cars like your two Renaults and your two McLarens, who all started in the top ten. They had to start on the super oh, that on the soft, and the, sorry, not <laughs> they had to the go back soft, in time and start on the super, super soft. I <laughs> started on the soft, yep, but it wasn't the greatest race strategy. No, so we saw guys like Perez and and Kvyat start on that 
I started on the medium and they could go long. And the only one out of that top that made it was uh, made it work was uh, Lando. Hmm. So, look, it was one of those races. Don't qualify so well, get a better race start. But I, I think him and Gasly have been pretty comparable since the mid-season break. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I mean, Gasly got that podium, which Kvyat clearly got in Hungary, put yeah. in the same position as well. Yep. So I think the kid can drive. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sold on the lineup, but I'm not sold on Albon. I've said that all year yeah. as well. All right, out of the four of them, he's the one with the most. <clears throat> He's well, one, yeah, history in the sport, let's just say. So it's interesting. And unfortunately for Gasly, his race was compromised on the first lap. So It's a shame. He, it has, a proved, shame. he has proved himself in the Toro Rosso back to where he was. I think maybe uh, a jump to a car like a Renault or something else out of Toro Rosso would have done him better. A similar Carlos Sainz-esque career uh, path instead of going into a Red Bull. Him in the second half of the season, you can understand why he got the nod to go up last year against Brendan Hartley. Mm. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. You're absolutely it right. It didn't work out, and I never thought it would, but you can understand why they made the choice they did. I still think Carlos Sainz would have been a, an interesting... Oh, I would just love to have seen him in the Red Bull. I know that he made his decision to move to McLaren before that was an opportunity, but he was still part of the Red Bull pool, and I, mean, I almost guarantee you that they would have chosen him over Gasly. I just think he would have done well in Red Bull because he's a slightly different operator to Max... Oh, that is an interesting. That is an interesting way of looking at it. I think Carlos probably wanted to get out of the Red Bull frame because mm. they ultimately made the decision to promote Max when they were teammates, and that's true. And for for a guy like Carlos, he's probably sitting there going, "Well, what? This kid's been number one. I've driven against him before, and we were pretty competitive. We were pretty even. Probably a bit like Danny Rick." He just thought, no, I've got to get out of it. Yeah, I don't, good thanks, I'm out. I don't, I don't care either way. So, But he's landed on his feet, so we don't need to worry about that. Nah, and he he is, I think, mo- most Formula One people who, who love the sport would say that their driver of the year is probably Carlos, just the way that he has performed, the way that he's improved, the, what, what he has done for McLaren as a brand on the racetrack compared to Alonso. You know, compared to what was going on <laughs> the last couple of years, I think it's great. He's the right Spaniard for that seat. Let's put it that way. So yeah, you're not wrong. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo because Giovinazzi came in 16th and Kimi 13th. They finished outside of the points again. This was not a track for Alfa. Uh, oh, sorry. Can I just, before I say that and just saying Alfa out loud, let's just pause and take a moment to think about us talking about Toro Rosso for the last time before we mess up next year and call it Toro Rosso, even though it's going to be called Alpha Tori. Look, we're just going to continue to call it Toro Rosso. In remembrance. People will know what we're talking about because Alpha Tori. No, you're going to wear it. Oh, I, hear, I hear you. This podcast is going to be sponsored by Alpha Tori because you're going to be raiding their collection, hunting a discount. You'll be like, dear Mr. Red Bull, please can I have a discount on your brand and I will say Alpha Tori more on the podcast. Not a chance, mate. 0% chance of that happening. You're absolutely right. Your parkers look all right, but I'm sure when I try them on, they'll look terrible. So shitty fits. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably, that's most close than you. Uh, for a man, Kimi Raikkonen, 13th. I'm moving on. Uh, Giovinazzi, 16th, as I said. Again, Alpha not doing a whole lot this time around. It's not a track that really suits them. But again, it's interesting because the Ferrari power, you think they'd be doing a little bit more. But coming into 2020, I think this is going to be a, a good lineup, having some consistency in this team for a bit of a change. Although... You know, we're a little bit sad still that the changes happened over the last two years and those two drivers disappeared. Marcus Ericsson, I think, is as good, if not better, than Giovinazzi. I just think he had his time and they wanted a bit of a change and, and to sort of drop the Sauber thought. Anyway, that's that's it is what it is. But Kimi's yeah. staying around again. But he's going to be 41 years old driving Insane. a Formula 1 car next year. Got to remember, but... Ericsson kicked Pascal Verlein out of that seat because he bought money. Yeah. So when you compare those two, Pascal, Pascal should have had the drive absolutely. every day of the week. But well, Pascal should be in the Mercedes 
Yeah, anyway. He, anyway. He, whatever. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yep. Okay. Uh, Hass. Well, well, 14th and 15th. Geez, the uh, Romain Grosjean had an incredible setup coming into practice. And, uh, <laughs> well, the, the Finland as a whole just wasn't happy about it. And Valtteri decided to remove his floor and everything else set up as uh, he came <laughs> he came into him. That was a bit of a weird moment, wasn't it, as he entered... Um, <laughs> Clumsy. It was 11. I think it was clumsy from Valtteri. He shouldn't have even stuck it up there. I don't know why he was doing it when he was doing it. Like, what's the point, mate? It's not a qualifying session. And then Rome. But Rome on, just ignorance. He wasn't looking. <laughs> he, he wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. No, no, but it's not a defence. Not his fault. You should be. No, it is. You should be looking. I mean, okay, it's hard to see out of a Formula One car when you're concentrating on looking at the apex and the next apex and looking at something else. And yeah. he would have checked Valtteri, seen him in his mirror and gone, Cool. Gotcha, and then just gone on with it. Now, doesn't doesn't happen, and I'm sad because I think, you know, you talk about Mercedes and teams like this having the competitive edge by having all these little things that all just add up to make them, you know, a better race car. Has been working really hard to try and sort it out this year. Grosjean finally gets something, and it's <laughs> taken away by a really stupid mistake. And I look, Valtteri, whilst he was. He did a great job from coming from last to first, uh, to first, last to fourth. Oh. It really is disappointing from him, and I think he would have been disappointed. But it goes back to his thought processes, where his head was at. You know, from a personal point of view, I think is probably why he did something silly like that, which we wouldn't normally see from the Finn. Yeah, not sure about that one, but anyway, move on. Renault. Renault. Our boy Danny Rick, who absolutely had a good qualifying session. Great qualifying. Uh, he qualified at eighth, but finished in 11th. Um, and Nico Hulkenberg, now a former Formula One driver, I can finally say that, uh, coming in 12th. Mate, he. Look, he had an opportunity to really show himself this time around. It was nice that the fans voted him the driver of the day. He wasn't. And it's nice that he had some airtime with a Mercedes, a Ferrari and a Red Bull behind him when there was no DRS. And it's nice that he's been in the sport for 10 years. But it's also nice that he's going. Yeah, it's a sort of... Because I like, I really like him. I think he's quality outside the car. Oh, he is. He's... Um, Stunning. Good banter from Renault, by the way. Yeah. They all had uh, those wig, the blonde wigs on to oh. say goodbye. Oh, was... But it's a, it, it's a shame. But His career really failed to launch. <laughs> you've got you've got young Renault drivers like Jack Aiken in the, the junior categories. I still reckon Hulk, coming. Hulk should be in Formula 1. He deserves to be in – like, I think where – would you put? Where would you have put him for 2020? So, go back to Force India. Racing point, sorry. Well, I honestly, yeah. I think you'd kick out Stroll and put Hulk in, which I is think, obviously very difficult to I, do. I think he's better than Checo. Y- yes. I think he's better than a lot of drivers on the grid. Again, he doesn't deserve a top seat, a top, a top seat in this category. No, I mean, but he's consistent and, that, and you can finish in the points and that's what a midfield team needs. This year we really found out how good he was and he didn't, he wasn't as good as everyone sort of thought he was. But again, you have people like Jolyn Palmer and, you know, Carlos. And, you know, Carlos is still finding his feet jumped across. and Mid-season too, so. Yep, yep. You know, I mean, the the guy can drive and he, he, on his current talent, he he deserves a drive ahead of a few of these other teams. But unfortunately, it's, as I said before, it's a career that failed to launch. So, um, yeah, tough one. McLaren. McLaren. Uh, it's interesting because uh, Zach, Zach Brown hinted that there's a new livery change that's uh, coming, Ooh, but they cool. are keeping the papaya, the papaya and the blue, which is cool. <clears throat> I love it. I love the, the the whole that orange man. I tell you what, I if I you ask me at the beginning of the orange, bitty yellow in there, like some bright yellow. Well, they've got blue. a new sponsor. Well, they've got yeah. a they've confirmed an. I don't quite know what's going on, but Zach hasn't wasn't really saying much, but he just said, you're going to like it. We're going to keep the papaya, but you're going to like what's going on. Certainly better than when when Alonso jumped to McLaren, it was black, which is just like, okay. Is this the return of uh, cigarette money back into Formula 1? Ferrari? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. no, that's already happened. But we could see Philip Morris do the same sort of thing that 
who was the other one that who does I that? Have no idea. I have no idea. I can't remember the company that. No idea. Anyway. All I know is that it's a cigarette company and it's hiding in plain sight. And it's like, mm, I'm pretty sure it says Marlboro on the back of that Ferrari again. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, yeah, but I, if, if you had said to me at the beginning of the year, pick a team that you support, I'd say Renault, I guess, because Danny Rick's driving for them. Yep. And in the year before, Red Bull, I guess, because Danny Rick is driving for them. Yeah, McLaren for me. But it's McLaren. It has become McLaren this year because I've felt, fallen in love with the car. I've fallen in love with the driver's banter. I've fallen in love with the way that they're doing things. And I like it because they threw, they actually threw the baby out with the bathwater. Two brand new drivers for this year, a real rookie and a guy who, you know, who's, he's got some pedigree. The signs name, Carlos Sainz yep. Senior, well, just Carlos Sainz and he's the junior, but real racing pedigree, we're sorting it out. Man, they have done it, but also their road cars are phenomenal. Like Ferraris are cool, but you look at a McLaren P1 Senna. Oh, oh. Hello there. I like the 675 LT. Yeah, just any of them 670s. You just, you rattle through any of the McLarens right now that are rolling off the production line. And I challenge you to find a better all-rounder Formula One team. And if you come back to me and say, oh, Ferrari, got no, nah, I don't agree with you because they suck at talking to each other and all they do is check. They don't do anything <laughs> except for checking. Hashtag. And hashtag it. Checking. <laughs> anyway, McLaren, I'm a big fan. And yeah. I'm not going to lie, Campy, if I'm playing F1 2019, I'm in McLaren. You'll, I've, you'll I've, see me around. I've always been a McLaren fan. Ever I'm, since, like, Mika Hakkinen and Dave oh, Coulthard back in the day. Like, that is... That for me is F1, you know. That's why I really want them up at the front again. Screaming V10s and I, around Elder Park. I really desperately wish that Danny Rick had jumped across to McLaren. There's still time. There is time. But uh, for me, I, I love Zach Brown. I, I've mentioned what this earlier. I've mentioned this earlier. The way he's turned that team around is incredible. As we've said before, uh, historically it's been a pretty bad political team, a bit like Williams. And uh, for someone to step in and – and changed the whole culture over three or four years. Yeah, excellent job. Big congrats to the guy. I've got He's a, a legend. I've got a bro crush on that guy. Yep. You know what? He'd be great for a beer as well. Oh, when Oz totally. F1 gets to the Melbourne Grand Prix, and we will, and we'll, we'll do a podcast live we'll, from, well, we'll record it live. You won't listen to it live because it's a podcast. It's kidnapping. Uh, we'll, let's see if we can have a chat with old Zachy Brown. You can crack some Melbourne bitter for him. And he yeah. can be as disappointed with that drink as most people are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about racing point. Uh, Checo, as I said, he had a pretty bloody good race towards the end there. He finished in seventh. Yep. Um, the only DNF was Lance Stroll, and I'm pretty sure it, it's because he was whinging too much and the engineer just couldn't no, deal with it anymore and told him to pit. He had uh, he had the contact with Gasly on lap one. I know, but he was all easy to whinge. But Perez again showed a bit of pace. Uh, thinks he probably had another win. <laughs> it's basically like a win. It's not a win, is it's it? Not a win. It's definitely not a win. You're not standing on the podium, mate. Uh, racing point though, Pink Panthers. They've kind of been under the radar a little bit since the whole Renault saga and the um, the program, which was adjusting well, the brake bias. Well, look, Checo did a rock championship. 52 points. I think that's a bloody good return for him. Finished 10th. Yep, I agree. Uh, beat Lando Norris <laughs> in the championship. So, Which you kind of expect, really, well, from a, a veteran of the sport. No, I would expect, knowing the car that McLaren had now, you would expect that... Good point. You know, the McLaren should be I think 7th and 8th and in the championship. I think the issue was the, the retirements that Lando had Yes, that weren't his fault, but just... I think it was reliability related. And look, I think Checo had some retirements. As well. Anyway, you're yeah. right though. Good but on him. It's, it's actually nice to see a racing point up there because that's the kind of where it should be anyway. Um, okay, let's talk about Red Bull. Albon finishing in sixth. Uh, Maxi finishing in second. Now, <laughs> Campy and Tommy's not here. So I'm not sure how he's going to feel about me saying this. I really love Albon's story. I really love... The fact that he is a UK-born, flying under a Thai flag driver, you know, he's, he's you know, he's in the sort of the Asian economic zone, and that's <laughs> nice from an Australian point of view. But there were moments in this race where he was not competitive, not doing the same thing with the car that Max was doing. Now, I, UK, I understand that. There are differences. I understand that he is fairly new to this team. 
But I am starting, Tommy, and I'm sorry, I'm staring at your empty chair here. <laughs> I'm starting to think like campy on this. And I don't know if it's because I've spent more time with you recently than with Tommy, but Albon really needs these next couple of weeks, these next few months, three months. And it's three months, by the way, until we get into Melbourne Grand Prix, which is stunning. But he needs to sort it out because I love this bloke. I love his story and I love what he's got to offer. But I want him to be challenging and pushing Max, as Campy has been saying for the last couple of weeks. No, you're thinking the right way because I'm right. And I... (laughs) This is why you're not married, mate. <laughs> Submit. It's all right. We've got it in the pipeline. We've, uh, <laughs> we're currently locking a couple down, so should we do Every port in a store, my friend. <laughs> Didn't um, know you were in the Navy. Oh, I'm a Mormon, mate. We're allowed to have like 10, aren't we? <laughs> it's your church, you tell me. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Anyway. Adrian Newey had a little bit of a segment with Martin Brundle before the race. And it was really good. So this, here's a funny fact for you. Adrian still draws on paper and he's yeah, got two yeah. dedicated engineers that convert his drawings into, into CAD, CAD designs. Yeah. How, great how see, good is it? that? But, but, but getting back to Albon. Sorry, yes. Getting back to Albon. Red Bull said, and Horner said when they made the change, he's like, Albon has to push Max. He hasn't done it in qualifying in the second half of the year. He's only done it in one race, and that was Brazil. He, and that I'm was lucky, a shame. That was a shame. not to get a podium for him. Yep. But he has been consistently the same distance that Gasly was in the first half of the year off Verstappen in qualifying and race pace. Now, I think if you take Kvyat, you take Gasly, and you take Albon, they're all the same calibre of driver. They will all beat each other on track-specific weekends and – depending on how they're driving, no, none of those three guys are going to push Verstappen like the way they were. Yep. Red Bull had their junior program sorted out two years ago. They had Danny mm-hmm. Rick. Mm-hmm. They had Max Verstappen. Um, Carlos. So Carlos Sainz and then Kvyat was in it with Danny Rick. And they, like, they had the best junior program, all the best drivers. They've only retained one of them in the last three years. What does that say? You know, and that's Max. Mm. They got rid of Kivyat and then brought him back in. But that's because they haven't developed the crop coming through like they should have. And they're on the back foot because every other team tried to replicate what Red Bull had done over the last sort of five to six years. When Seb was in the team, Danny Rick, all those ones, they were so far ahead, but they haven't retained any of it. Tells me there's probably some issues. They've probably gambled on a couple of drivers and it hasn't worked. But... Albon, in my opinion, he's only got half a year next year to stake his claim for that seat. Yep. Much like Gasly had this year, I don't think he's going to... Yeah, I'm fearful. I don't think he's going to step up the way that they want him to step up. I'm really fearful for him. Look, Albon... I mean, a pre-season in that car and all the testing and the development in the simulators... It'll help. It'll help. It'll help. And he needs some time, I think, to just reset, to understand what the hell's just happened those last six months. Honestly, if you think about in your own personal life what you're going through and everything else, you want to break out from this massive change that's just happened and you you get very little time to think about it. You get told just before the summer break that you don't get any simulated time because everyone else is on leave. You don't get any time in the car. There's no time to figure – like it just happened. It's very difficult, but I'm concerned. Unfortunately for Albon, it's his first year in F1. He's got the promotion to the big team. We've seen historically – that there's guys like Checo, like your Pierre Gasly's. K-Mag. Your Daniel Kvyat's. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. You don't get second chances at these top teams. And timing might not work out for Albon. And that's a real shame. It's a real shame. You're right. I think Red Bull should give him the whole year to prove himself next year because they're only going to bring Kvyat in yeah. if he fails. Because yep. yep. they're not going to bring Gasly back. Nah. Not now. They can bring Alonso in. And, But I think it ultimately leaves a seat open. For 2021. Yep, I think you're right. Unless um, Albon really changes something in, in how he operates. I think I, it has to be a mental thing for him. I don't think it's mental. I think the kid's obviously got some talent. Red Bull's obviously seen something in him. But we've got to remember how good Max is. Oh, yeah. You know, I think I think if Lewis Hamilton was driving against Max in that car, we would have an appreciation for how good Max is. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
him and Danny Rick went toe-to-toe for two and a half years, and Danny Rick ultimately came out on top for the two and a half years, and then the second half of their third year, uh, that that third year was terrible. But, yeah, but that was a liability uh, and all that sort of crap. And he'd already moved. Like, mentally. Mentally moved yep. on. The team moved on. Yep. We don't know what happened, but I think if you put a Lewis or a Seb against Max, even Charles, Mate, I think I think, I think Seb, every, Seb would be pantsed by Max. Totally. Absolutely pantsed. Valtteri would too, I think. Yep. I mean, Lewis is Lewis is the one you really want to – those two in the same team would be unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Like, that would and be that, – Mate, that might happen. And 2021 be, might see a Hamilton – Yeah. Well, maybe Hamilton wouldn't allow it, but, you know, it would be interesting yeah, to I see. Think, I think – oh, mate, there's no need for Hamilton to race for Stafford now. All he cares about is his legacy moving forward. And his seventh and his world championship. I mean, imagine if they were to pair up for one year and Verstappen pantsed him. You'd be looking back going, well, guy, right time, right place, incredibly fast on his day. But come against one of these top-tier young guns, couldn't match it. No. Nah. I don't I don't think we'll see it, but... No, I think you're absolutely right. All right, let's talk about Ferrari, because Seb Vettel finished in fifth and Charles Leclerc finished in third. Ferrari had a massive issue with Leclerc just before the beginning of the race. They under-declared his fuel load. It resulted in a fine for Ferrari, not any penalty on track, which I think is the right move from the stewards because Charles doesn't put the fuel in the car, does he? That's another person's job. Yeah, I think it was the right decision, but... Why are we a stickler for the rules in certain ha. Yeah, in certain point. instances and not for when Ferrari makes a mistake like that? Good point. This is what pisses me right off about the FIA and the stewards sometimes. Yeah. We ask for leniency. We want more racing. We go be a bit more lenient on first, you know, first lap incidents and stuff like that. But then Danny Rick's engine revs for one. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you're thrown out. If that had to happen in a Ferrari, it's a different story. Totally right. Oh, no, it's just an error, but we, we know, we'll find them $2,000 or and some on, stupid amount. Good on them that they made the decision they made because he shouldn't have got a fine for that. It's just someone stuffing up. Yeah. And I can understand human error like that sometimes. But it's people. It absolutely had no impact on the race or how it turned out or anything like that. But I just want some consistency. Don't be a stickler here and not a stickler here and there and there and there. Yep. Get it right. If you're going to be lenient all year, be lenient for every team. Yep. But you can just imagine where's Wally ranting and raving. <laughs> we're Ferrari. We're the team that makes this sport. And yeah, we'll leave Ferrari, and you'll have nothing. Ferrari so no, puts leave. pressure on the stewards to make certain decisions. I don't like that. But they got it right. They're bullies. But they think that they can be there because they're like, oh, well, Formula 1 without Ferrari isn't Formula 1. Well, newsflash, guys, it is. I and think, it would be actually a little bit more enjoyable, to be honest. Well, anyway, look, I don't. We don't like Ferrari here at Oz F1. No, <laughs> unless Daniel Ricciardo starts driving for well, them, and then we only like Daniel Ricciardo. But then uh, you'll still a lot of checking. You won't, you won't get me in red. No, no Any chance. You're also talking about just life politically in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, that is also me. Unless um, you're thinking from the US, but anyway, it doesn't matter. The colours are all different. Uh, okay, so Ferrari, yeah, whatever. Mate, uh, since this fuel, since this, uh, what do they call it? investigation into the fuel yep. that Red Bull. <coughs> and there's a lot of death going on from Campy, sorry. Sorry, I just coughed. Since that, Ferrari's pace has been absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Which yes. tells me that Red Bull figured out where Ferrari was getting their pace and it was somewhere in the fuel. So Ferrari's pace has dropped off and dramatically they haven't even been remotely competitive in the race. I mean, he got a podium, but good on him. Um if Valtteri had started up the front, probably oh, would have been easy. a Merck one too. Yes. Um, look, I Ferrari got some issues. They need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They really need to figure it out. What I'm most looking forward to the future of Ferrari is this Vettel-Leclerc relationship next year. I think there's been some battle lines drawn in the media and the reporting on this. But I think we could see a bit of a civil war inside Ferrari next year. I think Leclerc is going to come out on top. Well, because re- he is the, the court of public opinion. I think you'll find that oh. Charles is now the preferred driver. I don't agree with that. I I will prefer Seb. See, I reckon. I reckon. Other than this weekend, Seb's got some tricks up his sleeve. I don't. Long term, I don't think it ultimately works. Yeah. 
But I reckon Seb, he'll go away over Christmas. He's a, he's a seasoned campaigner, mate. He'll go over Christmas. Just had his third kid, by the way. He'll figure it out. He'll, you know, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. I reckon he'll pants. I reckon he'll pants him for the first seven or eight races, then Leclerc will slowly begin to figure out the car. But Seb this year has said that he didn't gel with the car like he has previously. So they get a car that he gels with. Boom. Because Ferrari's design, they would have been asking Seb all the right questions about how he wants the car to feel and the direction it wants to go earlier in the year. It's a bit like, you know, picking up a pool and moving it 10 feet one way. Could be in Vettel's... Could really be in Vettel's... uh, pocket for next year but that's going to be an interesting battle yeah absolutely. i'm really looking forward to that mercedes valtteri finishing in fourth as we said he came starting from the back of the grid he took two brand new power units yeah. uh, why not have two uh and obviously lewis finishing in first but wasn't really much of a, a race for lewis he uh he, he pretty much pantsed everyone from the beginning and that was it that was the last that we saw of him um, yeah. There was a 16 second difference between Lewis and Max when Max crossed the line. So, Valtteri, good drive. Lewis, I mean, yeah, good on him. He was up the front, of course, and right. uh, being humble as always. Four laps to go. Valtteri's six seconds off Leclerc. And they said, oh, let's turn this engine up. You got absolutely everything it's got. Six quality laps, best mode. He got that down to half a second. Yeah. Like, this is what we want to see in Formula 1. Yes. We want to see motors operating on that level. All the time. All the time. All the bloody time. Absolutely. So, well, uh, anyway. That's Abu Dhabi. Congrats to Lewis. Yeah. I mean, He's another race win closer. I think he only has to get six next year to better Schumacher's race record. And it's, uh, well, look, 2020 well, is, is the year to come. But uh, can't be. We're going to do a bit of a recap on 2019 as this season on the next podcast. We're going to wait for His Royal Highness Tommy Turlak to come back to us from his trip. But we thought that uh, it'd be nice to to recap the year. We also have an interview coming up with uh, one of the Australian greats. We're going to just call it out for uh, for Formula One. Someone who is behind the scenes. You've probably never heard of him. And that's cool. We'll give him an introduction He's when we're there. He's the smartest man in Australian racing. So it's yes. been said. And I've heard that said a number of times on a In on different a certain, motorsport categories a, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really exciting. That is to come. But hey, Thank you for listening. As we said at the beginning of the podcast, this is a bit of a dream for us. We came from the beginning of 2019 having no idea what we're doing, and here we are at the end of 2019, still no idea what we're doing sounding, at all. Sounding somewhat professional. We've got better gear. <laughs> I, can, I can string a sentence together to sound somewhat intelligent too. So that's, that that's is a, fantastic. That's I'll give you an army term. We've got all the gear and no idea. That's uh, Oz <laughs> F1 in a nutshell. But hey, thank you for listening. Uh, always, please subscribe if you uh, want to listen back to a couple of our podcasts. I suggest maybe going back to maybe as far as China and then listening from there. Everything else before that might be a bit iffy. But if you're interested <laughs> in subscribing, do that, please. It helps us out. Uh, so like us uh, on Instagram at OzF1 and review us if you are so inclined. Campy, mate, I can't believe we've managed the end of the racing calendar. Looking forward to chatting to recap much better than the preview of 2019 oh, yeah. to come. And uh, big shout out to Tommy T. He's an integral part of this team as he jumped on a couple of races in. We miss you, mate. Looking forward to recapping the rest of this year with you. And we cannot wait sure, till we bro. chat again very, very soon.